Blog Talk Radio. Davida Shinsky, and this show is Seven Traits for Entrepreneurs Share on Live Without Limits on the Blog Talk Radio Network. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now, is the Chinese proverb. The most successful entrepreneurs come from all different social classes, geographic locations, upbringings, education level, and income brackets. Today, in today's marketplace with technology, almost everyone is a small businessman with a website because most, more and more business is done online. What I find is that people will go to retail stores, look at it, try it out, but they will shop online simply because it's easier to have it delivered and not have to worry about carrying packages, and especially when you think about the holidays and how you have criminals that sit there in malls watching people. And I can remember many, many, many years ago, my sister worked for Saks Fifth Avenue. And when she was on her break, she was out in the mall and she found a package that someone left at on a bench. And instead of taking it to Lost and Found, what did she do? She kept it and she gave it to my mother and she told my mother, to go return it and keep the money. So that is a common practice. But regardless of the background, they all seem to share the following traits. And what this means is that all entrepreneurs, when they get started, they have similar traits that make them very successful. So first one is the risk takers. Now, this needs some classification because I think many people are under the impression that entrepreneurs are high risk takers, willing to put it all on the line for the big home run. True. Sure, for some, but in general, must seem to be calculated risk takers. Barbara Cochran, one of the hosts of Shark's Tank, created a $5 billion real estate business that she started with a $1,000 loan. She bootstrapped it and grew the business from cash flow. And today, online, you can start a business with a website for under $500 a month or to get started, but It's what you do and the knowledge you have to take that to the next level. That doesn't sound like a crapshoot, does it? 
on every single deal. He analyzes. Donald Trump asks himself a couple of questions. What the worst thing that can happen? And if it happened, can I survive it and be okay? If the upside is huge, he's okay with the potential. Downside, he typically moves ahead. Very calculated. But remember something. He's now president, and he was very calculated in the dealings that he was doing for that, but he forgot that he was laundering money, that he had not paid his taxes because he was using loopholes. But also, if you look back on what he worked with his dad, they were, they were doing a, a tax fraud to get ahead. So, you know, you've got to remember there's two sides to it. You can be calculated and do the best thing, or you can be calculated and, and do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. And in business today, because so many people are savvy, it's knowing what you have to do to make a business successful. And not only do you want to make it successful, but you want to be able to sleep at night and know that you gave the most value for what you were charging. One of my businesses several years ago was a direct mail operation that we had grown to several million dollars in annual sales. At one point, we were mailing 100,000 pieces of month at a cost of around $50,000 just to get the letters in the mail. Did we start out with 100K pieces? Heck no. We used the Barbara Cochran approach and scaled up from cash flow. We started with 500 pieces of methodically scaled up as cash flow and profits allowed until we were at 100K pieces per month. Metrics like response rates, cost per sale, back-end conversions, average back-end sale, and so on. We're tracked and measured every step of the way, making sure the numbers held up in our mailing volume increased. It was a very measured and calculated growth strategy and not very risky. Also, I'm going to talk about in the past, you could buy mailing lists that you would mail pieces out to, especially in certain industries. You could find out who was in that industry because I can remember being a part of or auditioning to work with seminar companies and how they got their mailing list were people who had attended past seminars and also people who were in the industry. Because you know why? They would do, and they would do three mailings at least for seminars that they were producing. And the, the way they did it was to say this, that people would throw it out once or twice, 
but they can, and the typical consensus was by the third time, they would look at it. If it looked interesting, if it was, then they would sign up for it. So guess what? Once you signed up for it, they had your name and they would use it to continually send you mailings. And what they did was audition speakers to see who had the skills that they were looking for to be a presenter. But here's another thing about how that works and how that that has changed in the industry also because you don't even see seminars companies putting on seminars anymore. What you now see is those same speakers putting out webinars of their programs. And you have certain celebrity speakers who have been very successful. And what happens is other speakers will become their affiliates and helping them market their products or they will go and take, get certifications from those speakers to become a part of their company and go out and be presenters. But you know what? Then they become the celebrity in their industry. So remember, being an entrepreneur is multifaceted today. It's not like it was in the past. You went and opened up one small store, and then if it was successful, you opened up a second store until you became a chain store. And then you could go across the country, Macy's, Riches, what's some uh, pennies, even Kmart. But because the, the industry has changed and how people purchase, some of those companies have literally gone down on a business or if they haven't totally gone out of business, they're either still selling online or they have sold out to other companies. Lots of confidence. Samuel Johnson said, Self-confidence is the first requisite to great undertakings. Here's a quote from Jessica Alba. My theory is that if you look confident, you can pull off anything, even if you have no clue what you're doing. By the way, if you didn't realize it, Alba is not only a top Hollywood actress, but now also a rock star entrepreneur. So true, there's absolutely positively no way you can do great things in the world if you're lacking in confidence. So how do you get it? That's the good news. I think you have to decide to have it. Let me ask you a question. What do you think comes first, confidence or competence? For many successful entrepreneurs, it's confidence. It has to be, because when you oftentimes start out with little to no money, the resources that you haven't yet figured out, the whole puzzle, you have no choice but to act and be confident. Or there's no way you can expand and grow. Confidence turns you into a force of nature, and it's primarily a choice. You know what? The best thing that you can do is watch some of these in, these 
entertainers, look how they carry themselves because you can tell if they have self-confidence or not. And remember this, even an, an actor today, they, instead of going and doing or being the busboys or the waiters in, in restaurants, they will actually start an online business of their own. They'll become entrepreneurs. And what you do find is some actors who are very successful, they'll actually take some of their money and they'll do a side hustle of building some type of business on the, on the side. Why? Because you have a lot of downtimes in the entertainment business. So what are you going to do in the interim? Because if you have an entertainer who's multi-talented, then they usually work steadily because when they're not doing one thing, they have something else that they're doing or another project that they're working on that's in the entertainment business. But it's understanding where all of these things come from and how to work them and play for them so that they all work together. Learning-oriented. <laughs> this is almost a universal trait among the most successful entrepreneurs in the world and also among the wealthy. They crave learning. I just listened to an interview with Charles Pongleguin, who happens to be one of the best-known strength coaches in the world, having trained elite athletes from nearly 20 different sports. The dude is prolific to his knowledge and writing ability and quite the globetrotting entrepreneur. How does he start his day? Well, first he goes and he gobbles down breakfast. But then, right after, he consumes large amounts of information. The first hour is dedicated to reading books and articles outside of his industry. Then the second hour is focused on reading works from within his industry. This type of yearning for information is the norm among super successful entrepreneurs. I honestly can't think of even one exception. I think the biggest myth that a lot of people have is that when they graduate high school or they graduate college, they think their learning years are over. But it's not over because new things and new technology and new ways of doing things are constantly happening. And a good example of that is as someone with a disability for many years as a young child, when I had, because I have cerebral palsy and it's spastic hemiplegia because it basically affects one side, that I have a drop foot. And what I did was I used to have the old saddle oxford with an iron brace that was permanently in the shoe. And the moment the doc, my orthopedist told me that I did not have to wear it but to sleep in, then that was perfect for me. But the one thing was that that brace had a spring in it so that I would walk heel toe because otherwise my foot drops. But let me show you how technology has literally changed 
what they use for a race today. Because if you look at the Paralympics and the athletes that use blades to run on because they have no legs of their own, look at the technology that they've used and how advanced it's become that now the brace that I wear is literally has a, is a walk-on trimmable, but it, all I have to do is slip it into my shoe and guess what? It automatically causes me because it, of the the way it's made that it it I will walk heel toe and I don't have to worry about always wearing the same shoes. But I can change shoes and I I can wear whatever I want and still use the brace. So it's it's a technology. It's the way things have changed. It's how it affects you and your ability to to change and reading up on things and learning about what's happening, learning how you can incorporate that technology into your business will help you advance because in the past, you had to be in a brick and mortar store to sell your products. Today, all you have to do is open up a website, have an access to an autoresponder, be able to do split testing, and you can build a successful business without the overhead. Because in the past, if you opened up a store or whether you sold your products in the store, you literally had to have money in the bank and you had to have investors because you had to hire other people to help you sell your products. If you were opening up a brick-and-mortar store, you had to get the store ready. That meant you had to put money up front before you even opened your doors and before you even made your first sale. Understand failure is part of the game. According to, to a Bloomberg report, eight out of 10 entrepreneurs who start businesses fail within the first 18 months. Yikes. That's a whopping 80% that crash and burn. This is normal, part of the terrain. Successful entrepreneurs know this and understand this, but rather than letting a so-called failure stop them, they see it as a learning opportunity. Pick themselves up and give it another shot until they succeed. Henry Ford's first two automobile companies went belly up. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper job for lacking imagination and having no original ideas. And at the age of 30, Steve Jobs was unceremoniously booted out of Apple, the company he co-founded and started. So if you fail one or more times yourself, take heart. You're in good company. And most likely on the right path, if you're still going and haven't given up. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, 
And that is why I succeed, said Michael Jack Jordan. Remember that if you watch baseball, if you watch football, if you watch basketball, how many times have you seen one of the top known players miss at least 25 to 30%? Remember, in baseball, it's always said that that you can hit one out of three balls. And when you go 26 for 26, or when you go of not hitting, it's usually just called a slump. And it's expected, but that doesn't mean that you should ever give up. Because if you give up, then you're basically telling yourself that you're a failure. And just remember, failing is always a learning experience because we're always learning new things. Great networkers, have you ever been to an event where you meet people who treat networking like a sport? Just focus on getting as many business cards as possible and then have no real plan on what to do with these leads. That doesn't sound very effective to me. Building relationships that are mutually beneficial is what networking is really all about. And that takes time and being strategic and being focused first on how you can help someone rather than only thinking of ways you can benefit. I think there's always been a misconception about networking because networking is always about building relationships. Because most business is done online because you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have Twitter. The thing is, the celebrities have the biggest followers because they have fans who follow them. And how do they build the relationships with them? On Instagram, they do little stories. And they they let you know when they're doing these stories to allow you the opportunity to interact with them, to create opportunities to get to know them better. The better you know them, the and because in the past, how did you get to know entertainers? Either by going to fan events where you paid a lot of money to interact with someone and maybe spend a couple of minutes with them. And the sad part is, is they're letting you into their private lives when they take time to do an Instagram or to go on Twitter or to post pictures. And yet I see some fans who, when you've got an entertainer that's got a small child and they purposely don't show the face, that they get snarky because they feel they have a right to see that child's face. And yet that child's not the entertainer. That child is there, is, is a private person. They don't need to have their faces seen. And the fact that the entertainer even shows pictures of their child, leave it at that. Don't try to, to, to 
downgrade them because they're protecting their child from from the, anything that could possibly happen because you just don't know. Ability to sell and promote. To many people, the word selling implies manipulation, high-pressure tactics, cajoling, and basically strong-arming someone to do something that they really aren't quite ready to do. You know, all the stereotypes you might find in dealing with a used car salesman or someone trying to sell you a Las Vegas timeshare, right? Well, all that still exists. And a lot of what they do at these places is manipulation. But that's not selling in my book. To me, it's more about understanding needs, informing and educating, and delivering the right message to the right market. Marketing gets an equally bad rep as well. Sometimes, I remember speaking to a group of around 30 or so real estate professionals, and I asked the question, how many of you love marketing? Four people raised their hand which was stunning and really scary. If you happen to be an entrepreneur, business owner, or salesperson, why? In my opinion, marketing is at least 80% responsible for the success or failure of your business. It's darn near the whole enchilada. So if you happen to be in the camp that sees marketing or sales as a bit unseemly or manipulative, here's a great definition of marketing that I heard from Joe Vitale. Marketing is sharing what you love in a passionate, enthusiastic, and sincere way with the people who would be most interested in hearing about it. Now, that sounds a lot more honorable and worthwhile, doesn't it? full of determination. If, you're, if you have big goals, you're truly committed. Go going after the one thing I can guarantee is that you'll go through periods of major struggle and challenge. I remember listening to an interview with Ted Turner, the founder of CNN, the day after his company went public and he had just become $3 billion dollars richer. During the interview, he says something like, the only reason I have the opportunity today is make over $3 billion because I was willing to hang on and withstand the long stretches when we were losing a million dollars a day. And we had to look and ask executives to not cash their checks until a certain day. That's what you call having faith and belief and persistence and being in, ingrained with never-say-die determination. Want to be a super success? This is part of the past. And here's something to remember about Ted Turner, that he actually took over his father's failing business. And let me remind you, my website is the number one personalcareercoach.com.